Welcome to the Quantum Love Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant. In this show, we'll be exploring all things love, relational mastery, and the initiations that that entails, and what the journey looks like and feels like when we open up and let love lead. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, This week, I am stoked because we are going to talk about something that I think is really, really important when it comes to dating and relationships, and that is the relational cover charge. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, well, good news for you. I'm going to get into it and I'm going to tell you all about it. Uh, Just a little heads up though, there is some construction happening in my building. I've been putting off doing the podcast because they've been, you know, making a lot of racket. (laughs) So I, I just couldn't wait any longer. And if there are the odd buzzing sounds in the background, well, now you know. Now you know what it is and we don't have to get all caught up with it. Okay. Okay. Let's dive in. So you might have seen my Instagram post recently where I shared this guy and he did this awesome rant on cover charge. And basically the whole concept is if you wanted, if you really wanted to go to a club, like this was like the club of all clubs and you just love going to this place and they have a cover charge. So what do you do when you get to the front of the line? It's your turn to go in and they're like, okay, cover charge is 20 bucks. And you look at the bouncer and you're like, not for me. I'm not paying the 20 bucks. Do you think that that person's going to let you into the club? Probably not. The reason that there is a cover charge is just the agreement for coming into that space. And in dating and relationships, if we do not have our own relational cover charge established, we will literally let in any old riffraff into our relational world. And we can save ourselves a lot of drama, a lot of ridiculousness, (laughs) we are willing to put in a relational cover charge. Now, what constitutes a relational cover charge? Well, there are three things that we'll talk about today. One of them is obviously your standards. The other one is your boundaries. And the other one is your relational needs. So when you are dating, so we're going to take this from a dating perspective today. Um, dating in the context of dating for partnership, you are literally vetting that person to see if there's enough relational alignment to agree to be in a relationship. Now, it is really hard to suss out alignment relationally if we are unclear what our standards are if we are unclear what our boundaries are and unclear what our needs are. Now, for a lot of you, you might actually have some clarity around your standards, your boundaries, or your needs. And where you might get tripped up is the embodiment of your standards, your boundaries, and your needs. So there isn't really much point of knowing these are the things that matter to me if we aren't going to back them up. If we aren't going to essentially ensure that that relational cover charge gets paid. And if we become that kind of flimsy bouncer who is just like, okay, you can come in, even though you have clearly shown me that you do not have the criteria to play at the level I want to play at, I'm going to let you in anyway. And when we do that, When we bring in someone into our relational lives that is not prepared or has not trained for the level that we would like to play at, 
One could go out on a limb and suggest that maybe you aren't at the level that you think that you are. Because when we are actually integrated at the quote unquote level that we think that we are, we are willing to back up our boundaries. We're willing to advocate for our standards and we're willing to advocate for our needs. Now, when we don't do that, there's a part of us somewhere in our psyche that doesn't believe that we can be mutually met inside of the things that really matter to us. So we downplay them. We pretend that they're not there. And you know what that does? It really pours into this whole build and blow pattern where, you know, you let it build up, build up, build up, and then it blows up. Any, any of you ever had that happen? <laughs> we just suppress it. We suppress it. We suppress it. Like, no, it's okay. It's okay. No, it, that didn't bug me. That didn't bug me. I'm cool. Like I'm a cool chick. I'm a cool guy. I'm a cool person. Like it's, it's all good. And it's really not all good underneath. Yeah. That's what happens when we don't have that relational bouncer who is charging the cover charge. And so what the cover charge looks like relationally is when you start revealing, let's say your boundaries, the things that are really important to you, things that really matter to you, the high quality information that people need to love you better, to be in service to what it is that you want to experience in the relationship, um, when they don't have that information, it's really hard for them to show up properly. But when you reveal a boundary to someone, how they respond to you will reveal a lot about their character. And I know that this can really trip people up because they're like, yeah, but like, what about attachment stuff? And like, what about wounds and all that stuff? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. It will literally reveal where someone's at. And we aren't dating people as, you know, a service to humanity to kind of take them through their integration and their relational, you know, transformation. You are not a relational daycare. That is not why we date people. It's not why we get into relationships with people. Although when we don't bring a lot of consciousness to dating, then that's what ends up happening. There ends up being this like over-functioning, under-functioning dynamic that can happen, or the runner chaser can happen. There's all sorts of gnarly stuff that can happen when we don't go in really intentionally. When we just kind of sit back and we're like, well, I hope this works out for me. <laughs> I'm not really going to do anything that will support it working out for me. And I'm just going to cross my fingers and just pray to the universe and to the energies of quantum love that this is just going to magically pan out for me. And it doesn't. It really doesn't. Because part of a conscious relationship, part of embodying quantum love is willing to be a responsible adult meaning that we are willing to do what we need to do on our side of the fence to contribute to the cultivation of what we want to experience. So if we want to experience a conscious relationship, but we're dating unconsciously, that doesn't translate. Do you follow? <laughs> like, this, this is pretty clear that if you want a conscious relationship, you have to consciously date. That means you have to bring your awareness to how you are operating in the dating dynamic and bring your awareness of, am I really advocating for relational cover charge? And if I am not, what is going on with me that I don't feel that I am worthy of that standard? Because that's really there's so much of it comes down to, I don't believe that I'm actually worthy to have the thing that my heart desire is 
driving me towards. So there's a bit of incongruence there. And that can happen when our relational and emotional wounds are running amok, where we kind of get into this pocket where we have this dream in our heart. We're like, this is what I want so badly. But then our behavior is literally doing the opposite. And so there's this conflict, this push and pull internally, which often is reflected in the push-pull dynamics that we might attract relationally. So the push-pull that's happening happening externally, like the, one of the reasons why that can happen is so that it gets our attention. Because that's a, a really gnarly pattern to get into. The whole runner-chaser thing is really tough. That's not fun. <laughs> it's not to, you know, be chasing someone and trying to convince them to love you and convert them to love you. That isn't love, by the way, um, when that's happening. Love happens out of two people's free will. Like both people have to choose to be there. And it's so much easier to choose to be in the relational dynamic when we are bringing more of ourselves forward in that relational dynamic. So if I'm being really truthful about what matters to me, so my boundaries and my needs, and I'm willing to embody my standards. So I think this is where people kind of get a little turned around too, is they go in with this kind of entitled energy of like, these are just my standards. And the standards don't really have anything to do with the you know, the outcome of relational health. So for example, a standard might be that your person has to be this tall to ride or like this body type or this hair color, or they have to like this sport, or they have to be into this specific thing that you like, uh, or they have to make this amount of money and have that in their bank account. All of those things have zero bearing on someone's relational maturity. Zero. And so if those are your standards, then you can't be shocked when the relationship turns out to be really kind of shitty because we didn't vet for the qualities that would determine whether or not someone actually is relationally mature, is emotionally mature. Someone who values love, values relationship. You know, because you can have someone, let's say, that really values uh, making a lot of money at the expense of their relationships. So if that is your standard, that they have to make this much money, and we're not also vetting for... Like, where's their relational priority? Like, do they really care about co-creating a relationship? And if you were to look at that, it would immediately disqualify them. They wouldn't have the, like the, the special code to get through into the club, which is the relationship with you. So they don't have the relational cover chart. And so when we are looking at standards, it's really important that we get so honest with ourselves. And a lot of the time when, let's say we want someone who makes a lot of money, there's usually something way deeper in there for us. So it might be that we want to feel taken care of. We want to feel safe. Uh, maybe we didn't have that financial security growing up. And if you can just get right with yourself about what the underlying intention there is, like what you're trying to get out of that. So whether you're trying to get security, stability, maybe you're trying to, you know, develop that muscle, that financial muscle yourself. And so if you can bring it out of the shadow and say, this is important to me because of X, Y, Z, that makes it more relational, okay? So it's not that you have to necessarily scrap that, but 
we really want to look at the underbelly of it because without looking at the underbelly of it, we will inevitably end up choosing people who might meet that criteria, but have no skills or very little skills that contribute to a healthy, thriving relationship, which again, you have this conflict between the relational dream in your heart and what's playing out in real time. So we have to kind of do some cleanup on aisle five, as you will probably hear me say a lot uh, if you're in my containers or if you've just been around my neck of the woods for a while. Like we have to do our own cleanup on aisle five here and get really, really honest of, all right, these are, you know, the things that I was holding as standards up until this point. Let me just investigate them a little bit. Do I have unmet needs that are related to the standards that I have chosen? And if that is the case, it is my responsibility to start tending to those needs now. So we'll go back to the financial example. So let's say you figure out like, oh, that's the reason why I want my partner to make this amount of money is because I want to increase my financial literacy. I want to increase my competency with money. I want to feel more comfortable with money and with wealth. Um, and I want to feel safe and secure. Okay, so now we know that, and now it's up to you to invest daily into building those muscles. And that might mean you ask, you know, a question to your financial advisor. You know, this is not my area of expertise, so maybe this wasn't the best example. Um, but there are ways in which you can start to tend to that muscle every single day so that when your person does arrive and they might actually, you know, make that amount of money that you want. And we're not dependent on them now to be able to fulfill that underlying need that you weren't in approval of before. Instead, we can bring that need and that desire forward of like, my desire is to build my financial literacy. I haven't really taken that on at this point, like up until this point, but I'm actively working on it. And, you know, it's, it's important to me that my partner kind of has that area locked down so that we're not both bumbling, but this is what I'm doing on my end to really build up that muscle. And if we are looking for a partnership, okay, a partnership won't want to play into those parental infantile dynamics or into those codependent dynamics where like, I'm going to rescue you from yourself. That will be a big turnoff for someone who is really sovereign, who is really anchored, who's really embodied in their own experience of themselves and their own healing in their own embodiment of love. It'll be a real turnoff when someone comes in trying to hook and pull you into the role of literally playing their parent. It's not cute. And it's, it's really incongruent with the frequency of partnership. So conscious partnership requires two healthy, functional adults who come together and be like, okay, yes, I don't have to have it all together, but these are the areas that I'm really strong. These are the areas that I'm working on. And I want to hear what's true for you, what's on your side. And we're not here to save and rescue each other. We are here to be in service to love. We are, I'm here to be in service to the truth of who my partner is. So the way that looks in relationship is if my partner is not in alignment with who they truly are, it is my job to be in service to the truth of who they are and maybe be like, yo, what's going on there? I'm noticing some stuff that's happening. Let's talk about it from a really open, loving, but firm and direct place. So we don't step over stuff 
but we don't get really harsh with our delivery either. And this is the, the world of conscious relating where we are considerate of the other person's experience, but not to the point where we are coddling their experience. Because anytime we are coddling or rescuing, we are not in service to love. So for any of you who have meddler patterns, any of you who have over-functioning patterns, any of you who have rescuing tendencies or savior tendencies, that might have whacked you a little bit. And if it did, let it unwind in your system. They don't use that as ammunition to beat yourself up. Instead, use it as a key to unlock the storehouse of where you've kind of kept yourself small. You've kept yourself contained. You've kept yourself from really being in the fullest expression of who you actually are. And you can't be in, in approval of the fullest expression of who you are if we are you know, making these parts wrong. If we're shaming ourselves for these ways of being, for these masks that we wear, for, you know, these patterns that we pick up in order to kind of get through life. But if you want to build into conscious relationship, we can't just be running our survival strategies, running our defense mechanisms, running our masks, and also arrive in, you know, the happy ever after, you know, relational dream in your heart. The relational dream in your heart requires a deconstruction of everything that isn't congruent with love. And that will mean some of our patterns have to go through a period of, you know, purification is really the best way to kind of look at it. Like we're kind of washing ourselves clean from the stuff that we've picked up along the way that isn't actually serving us anymore because a survival strategy, a protection mechanism, it will have served you at some point and it will have gotten you to right now. And if it's gotten you to right now and you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're at the juncture where you are ready to move into, you know, just surviving to thriving. You are wanting to move from, you know, relationships that kind of just happen to relationships that are created intentionally. And we want to move from not really being an embodiment of love, but into a deeper embodiment of love and truth. And so to be a deeper embodiment of love and truth, we have to tell the truth on ourselves. We have to get honest and be like, oh, yep, I do that. <laughs> I pick people who I can save, who I can rescue. And when I do that, it allows me to stay safe because I'm never going to be challenged and they're never really going to see me, which means they can't reject me. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of unwinding that gets to happen there. And, you know, by telling the truth on yourself from a place of approval, like, oh, yeah, I do that. And I picked that up somewhere. I picked that up as a survival strategy. I picked that up as a protection mechanism. And it's gotten me to here, but it isn't going to take me where I want to go. So I have to first admit that it's there before I can work with it to transform it. So when we are, you know, working with this whole concept of standards, we have to really look at, am I embodying the thing that I'm expecting the other person to bring to me? And you don't have to be embodying it to the same degree. So again, back to the financial example. Let's say you want someone who makes six figures a year. All right. Does that mean that you have to mirror that and you also have to make six figures a year? No. But it does mean that you have to be on the path of your financial literacy. You have to be on the path of cleaning up your financial imprint, your relationship to finances, your relationship to wealth, your relationship to prosperity. 
And if you are doing that, then there is, there's more room for, you know, two people to be in slightly different places, but also be in service to each other. Because I think that's what we forget sometimes when it comes to conscious relationship. We think the person has to be at the exact same place, the exact same time. And sure, that is important, especially if you are looking to have a family and you are on a really distinct timeline with that. You know, if you want a family within the next year and they aren't sure if they want a family, it's probably not the best person to invest your time with. They might be a great human, but there there's other things that they want to experience and that's totally okay. And if you shame them for not wanting what you want or not being ready for what you want, guess what? You're not ready for it either. <laughs> we really out ourselves quite a bit uh, when we are dealing in the realm of relationship like we can get so self-righteous about, well, this is what I'm ready for and they better show up. And yet we're acting in ways that are so incongruent with the thing that we actually desire. Because let's say you really want a family and you really want a healthy family. Well, that requires you to be in right relationship with reality. That requires you to be respectful and reverent of other people and where they're at. That requires you to be honest. That requires you to be a good listener. Um, there's so much that goes into, you know, building the foundation for a healthy family. But if we are literally trying to pull someone along, be like, be ready for the thing that you're not ready for, or I'm going to shame you for not being ready for the thing that I want right now. Well, you, you might somehow manipulate someone into a relationship with you, but that doesn't mean that they're going to like being there or that they're going to show up in a way that actually helps you build the relational dream in your heart because you didn't lead from the relational dream in your heart at the beginning. So when we advocate for these standards and instead of moving on that more superficial like level, we take those things and we do a little bit of deeper inventory of like, what am I really after here? You know, when I want someone who's a certain height, let's say, well, that person, you might be looking for an experience of safety and being held and protected and having a partner who is, you know, certain number of feet tall gives you that experience somatically. And so your work in the meantime is to create more internal safety within yourself to protect those parts of you and cherish those parts of you, uh, your inner child, your inner adolescent, your younger self, you know, the parts of you that are in the shadow, the parts of you that are in the light. Can you protect all of them? Can you advocate for all of them? And when we're able to meet ourselves in that way, yes, we might still prefer to have a, a partner who is certain like feet tall, but it's not a requirement. And we're now vetting for character more than we are vetting for anything superficial that has no relational bearing. So you can want those things, but make sure that you're also setting standards for the, you know, the parts that actually will tell you something about their relational capabilities. So to me, the standard has more to do with someone's level of respect for themselves, for me, for other people, for animals, for the world, like do they go through the world and go through their life from a place of respect and reverence? Or is it mostly just all about them all the time? Because that is not something that interests me at all. Another thing that's really important is generosity. How generous are they? So the spirit of generosity, which could be as simple as opening a door for someone 
or you see someone struggling with their bags and you offer to go help. Um, you know, there's so many ways that generosity can manifest and it really doesn't have anything to do with money. It has everything to do with the energy of being in service to something bigger than yourself, to being led by kindness, caring about other people. These are things that are really important. Um, you know, something else that is really important to me is, you know, the ability to be in reverence. So reverence and respect kind of go hand in hand, but are they really reverent for, you know, someone's soul path? Do they revere that work? Does that matter to them? Do they really want to support and cultivate their own soul work and contribute to the soul work of their partner? Does that matter to them? Um, another quality that is really important to me, at least, is someone's ability to listen and really hear what's being communicated. So communication skills, everyone kind of says that as a blanket statement, but if you can distill down what you actually mean by that. So for me being heard, I'm an auditory processor. So being heard and understood is really important to me. And also really hearing and understanding the other person is important. Like when I'm with someone, I'm really with them. I'm present. And so one of the standards that I require is the same level of devotion and presence. And their ability to really listen and hear what is being communicated. And sometimes that is like listening for the communication under the communication, the ability to do that, the ability to, you know, really communicate and like reflect back. This is what I'm hearing. Sounds like this is what's going on for you and really showcase like, oh yeah, what I'm saying really matters to you and what you're saying really matters to me. And without that, like I'm not interested in moving past, you know, the first initial stages of dating, just not into it. If someone who is also really playful and funny, has a good sense of humor, doesn't take life too seriously, but takes the right thing seriously. You know, we need to be able to hold those periods of life that require a bit more of a somber attitude. And we also need to know when, oh, we're getting a little too dense. I talked about that in the last episode where, you know, my Scorpio moon likes to get really down and into like all of the depth. But then my Leo son is like, come up for air. <laughs> like, we need to go play. And so having a partner who can mirror that as well and, doesn't really get stuck in the underbelly of life, but can come up for air and is able to have a sense of humor about life. It's really important. So notice this had nothing to do with body type. It had nothing to do with age. It had nothing to do with financial status, but it had a lot to do with certain qualities and values that are really important to me and values that really help anchor in the foundation of a conscious relationship. If someone doesn't care about personal development, they don't care about relational development, um, chances are they're not really going to be that keen on building a conscious relationship. They might be in the set it and forget it category of relationship where they just want to get into the relationship and then it should just work. If you meet someone like that, and that is legitimately what they believe, that if it's the quote unquote right relationship, it should just work. There should never be any conflict. There should never be any challenge. It should just be smooth sailing. That is not someone who is committed and devoted to the path of conscious relating. 
That is someone who wants to avoid themselves most likely and avoid the richness that can be cultivated in a conscious relationship through the exploration of self, each other, and the relationship. It also means that we have to have conflict skills. You have to be able to navigate conflict to have a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship isn't a relationship that's void of conflict. Healthy relationships have conflict and they have it all the time. Maybe not every single day, but like it, it's common. Like you're literally trying to merge two different perspectives, two different experiences of the world, two different ideologies, two different like worlds of conditioning and merge them into this container called relationship. Of course, you're going to bumble. There's going to be friction. And the friction is what helps us bring our shadow material to the forefront so that it can be loved into wholeness. It can be integrated properly. And if you have someone who is conflict avoidant and people will literally reveal themselves to you in the first 30 days of knowing them, if you are willing to really pay attention. So if you, you know, talk about conflict on, on a date and they're like, Oh, I don't do conflict. I don't do drama. Yikes. Run. (laughs) Maybe you're the one that said that in the past. I don't do drama. I don't do conflict. Well, then we know already that that person does not have yet. They have not built in the skills that are required to really hold the significance of a healthy, functional, conscious relationship. They just don't. And that doesn't mean that they won't, but we aren't dating for potential. We're not dating for the person that they one day, someday maybe can be. We're dating and we're relating with the person who's there in front of you right now. So do they meet the standard today? Not in a year when they maybe do some work on themselves, but today, like this is a measure for me. If this person didn't change anything about themselves for the duration of our relationship, would I be happy, fulfilled with being in a relationship with them? If the answer is no, (laughs) then I have my answer. I've gone as far as I can go with that person. And if the answer is yes, then I'm, I know, and I can trust myself that I'm not getting into that relationship to try and change them because I've definitely done that. I definitely have gone through those phases of what I like to call relational conversion therapy, where it's like, oh, I see your potential And our relationship is going to be the vehicle for you to be my project. I'm going to literally mold and sculpt you into the piece of art that I see in you. And you know what happens when you do that? Is that once they become the person that you saw in your mind's eye, they leave. (laughs) They've outgrown that dynamic. And there's a part of you that isn't actually ready for a conscious relationship either. If we are looking at someone as a project for our own enjoyment and our own fulfillment to change and transform, that isn't uh, love. <laughs> That's that there's a lot of self-avoidance that happens in that pattern of well, let me try and change you and make you into the person that I see you to be. And if I can do that, that must mean that I'm worthy. That must mean that I'm valuable because I was able to like help facilitate this transformation. What also happens in that dynamic is you take way more responsibility and accountability and you take a lot more credit than is yours to take. This is where we can get that idea that I can change someone. No, you you don't change someone. Another person will change themselves. You might inspire them to change, but ultimately the change is on them. They are living in their body. 
they are existing in their life. And if they make changes, they've made those changes because they wanted to. And, you know, of course there's the outlier of like someone changes because then they don't really want to change, but they're doing it to make the other person happy. And there's a whole world of exploration inside of that. The people pleasing, the nice person programming of like, I'm doing this not because it's true, but because I want to get you off my back. That isn't going to lead you into the world of relational bliss either. <laughs> so we just got to get so honest with ourselves here because we do a lot of squirrely things as human beings, <laughs> um, especially in relationships. Like we, we get really fucked up when it comes to relationships sometimes. And because we often don't see relationships as a vehicle for transformation. We don't see them as the vehicle that supports our evolution. Like you will literally learn so much about yourself in every relationship that you have. Every relationship you have will reveal something new to you about you. And these are critical pieces in terms of our embodiment, in terms of our liberation, in terms of our integration, and ultimately being able to build out that relational dream in our heart. So if we are, you know, playing with standards as part of that relational cover charge and being like, okay, this is what I really value. This is what really matters to me. And I'm going to uphold that standard because this relational dream in my heart is so important to me. I'm not willing to back down on that. So that's, you know, one area, relational cover charge. And then boundaries. So when you reveal something that doesn't work for you or something that would work for you better, and of course we have to take into account like how you're delivering that information. But let's say for argument's sake, you've been doing some of this work and you're really clear that how you delivered that came from a really open place. It came from a really true place. It came from a really loving place. So let's say you're really certain about that. And the other person reacts very poorly to your boundary. They either collapse, they might get defensive, they might reject your boundary, reject you. Um, there's, there's a lot of gnarly things that can happen when someone is faced with a boundary and someone who's done their relational work understands that a boundary is an invitation into deeper relating. A boundary isn't saying, fuck you. I don't want you in my life. It's saying, I actually want you in my life. And this is how we can do that. This is how to be in right relationship with me because I want to be in relationship with you. This is important to me. But if someone is in that more emotionally infantile state, or if they're kind of locked up in their, you know, angsty adolescent, when they hear a boundary, they're going to make it mean that they are unworthy, that there's something wrong with them. Instead of seeing the truth of it, which is, oh, like we're getting to know each other. There's no way I could have known this before you told me. Thank you for telling me. Um, you know, it's important for me to be in relationship with, with you too and do the things that feel good to you and let me weigh that against what's true for me. Is what you're asking of me something that I can actually provide? Is it something that I want to provide? And you have to get honest with yourself. And if the answer is yes, well then someone who's emotionally and relationally mature is like, okay, thank you for telling me. I will do my very best to integrate that. And then you see the integration happen in their behavior. They're not just blowing smoke up your ass where they're saying, yeah, I care about this. And then they don't, they, they don't actually integrate it into their behavior. So again, this is part of that relational cover chart. We're seeing, like, first of all, how do they respond to a boundary? 
do they take it so personally that you literally have to caretake them because they've collapsed? Or do they blow up and have an egoic inflamed response to that? Or do they take it in? They consider it against what's true for them and what they can and can't provide. And if they can provide what you've asked for, they agree. If they can't, they counter offer. They bring like, okay, what you're asking, like, I can't quite provide that, but I could do this with that work. And then you literally play, let's make a deal. Relationships are so much about let's play, let's make a deal. And you can't go into negotiations like that if you are dealing with a jacked up inner child or a really angsty adolescent, inner adolescent. So we have to actually, you know, vet and see like where's someone at in their emotional development here. Because if they don't know how to touch their own emotions, they will not be able to hold space for yours. And that is a really critical part of having a conscious relationship is being able to really hold space for the full, the fullness of who you are, but also who they are. Okay. So we really want to see what's going on there. So the first relational cover charge is the standard. The second one is the revelation of the boundary. The third is the revelation of your needs. And often needs and boundaries kind of go hand in hand. That's why I often talk about them. If I'm teaching a class, they get taught together. Because if you do not know what your underlying need is, when you put up the boundary, it's kind of like this cutting energy. It like cuts off connection. If we don't know what the underlying need is that we can advocate for. So if you know what it is that you need to thrive, not only in life, but in a relational dynamic, and they're not into that, they're like, I don't care about that. I don't want to cheer you on in life. Like, I just want you to cheer me on. Then we're like, okay, well, this person does not have the right currency to come into this relational world with me. So they don't have the currency of the cover charge to come through those gates. So if we want to be in conscious relationship, we have to get more... Uh, picky, let's say, of who we let in those relational gates. You can't just let anyone in. And that doesn't mean wall off and never let anybody in. It just means be more discerning. Slow down. People want to blast through the dating phase because the dating phase kind of takes us to our edge. Like we really get to see how relationally developed we actually are and how emotionally developed we actually are in the dating phase because it will bring up all of our stuff. And so one of the reasons why people want to fast track into a relationship is so that they can avoid all of that stuff, but then they're not vetting properly and all of that stuff that they are trying to avoid then just comes up in their relationship. And it can get really messy. This is why relationships, there are some relationships out in the world that are really toxic and really messy and really unhealthy because they either did not have a relational cover charge, they didn't vet for you know, certain standards, quality of character, the person's like relational like health and maturity, they also were not likely setting boundaries in the dating phase um, and also not revealing what they actually need to thrive in life. Like, let's say what you need to thrive is, you know, your mornings are sacred to you. And that is where, let's say you get up and you do all of your creative and your creative cultivation. So maybe you like play scales on the keyboard or you play your guitar, or you songwrite, or you paint, or you draw, or you write, whatever it is, that's really sacred time to you. And you're like, this is what I need. I need to be home by 11 
so that I can be up in time to do my morning routine. Because if I can do my morning routine, ultimately you're going to get the best version of me because that is the version of me that is fully come to life. And let's say that person doesn't care about you being home by 11. In fact, they try and sabotage you and they try and pull you to break your boundary. So they're not actually in service to your boundary. Someone who's in service to your needs and your boundaries would be like, okay, 11 o'clock it is. I will make sure that we are complete and you're, if I'm taking you home, that you're home by 11 or if you need to be home by 11, that we leave wherever we are so that you have time to get home by 11. I will, you know, really take that on. There are plenty of people out there who care about what matters to you. They want to see you thrive. They want to see you at your best. Because if you come to a date full and you're inspired and you're lit up by life, they're going to be like, yeah, I want to do the things that support you being in this vibe. Of course I do. And they also want to be supported in the things that allow them to be in their highest vibration, their highest alignment. And so again, as always, this works both ways. It's not just a one-sided conversation of they always have to be so attuned to you. You also have to be attuned to them. So when they bring a boundary forward, do you act like a toddler and have a temper tantrum? Or do you take it in and be like, huh, they just told me some high quality information about them. That's dope. Thank you. And this is what I can and can't do around that. Or when they reveal something that they need to thrive, does that matter to you? Do you care about that? And will you act in ways to support that? You know, and again, like this can happen where some of your old stuff might come up and they're the ones who, who are like, I need to be home by this time so that I can get up because I have this thing in the morning. And you might pull on them to be like, oh, but just stay, just stay. I want to cuddle or like, I really love making out with you. Like, please stay me. That is not <laughs> being an emotionally mature and relationally mature human being. That is you pulling and you're testing to see if they will break their boundary instead of you really showing up in a way to be like, okay, I hear this is important to you. I completely respect it. And even though it's so fun to make out with you and I wish that we could just like make out all night, I am going to honor that boundary. Make sure that you're able to get the sleep that you need to get so that you're up in time to do the things that really matter to you. Um, another way that this can kind of come out is when you want to have, like, let's say you're kind of in that honeymoon pocket of the dating phase and you're really enjoying each other. You're spending a lot of time together. And then you're like, Oh, you know what? I actually need a night to myself because we've been spending a lot of time together and I really love spending time with you. And I'm noticing my time with myself. Like I'm not getting enough of that. And I need, I need that in order to be great with you. Do you take that personally? Do you literally like implode and pout or, you know, have a little hissy fit or try and shame them, make them feel guilty? Any of those behaviors are not emotionally and relationally savvy. So those behaviors will reveal where you're actually at on your relational mastery journey. So we have to pay attention to obviously the other person because we're vetting them, but we also have to pay attention to ourselves. <laughs> like, how am I showing up here? Am I really showing up in alignment with the thing that I say that I really want? Or do I, am I trying to skip some steps? Am I trying to skip doing the actual work and just like plot me in the happy ending? Like, put me in, coach. <laughs> just put me in the championship game, and I've never trained a day in my life. Like, come on. We gotta be, we gotta have a sense of humor, but we also have to be honest with ourselves. 
because that's what can happen. We, we might want this really healthy, vibrant, conscious relationship, but we're not willing to do the emotional alchemy. We're not willing to build the relational skills. We're not willing to do the shadow work. Like we're not willing to get into the body and like move some of that stuck, congested energy. Well, then you know, the desire that we have is not congruent with who we're being. So, you know, as I said at the beginning, like there's this mismatch, there's this misalignment. And so dating will often reveal if you are actually in alignment with the thing that you ultimately want. If you pay attention to yourself and if you pay attention to what's going on with the other person, like that's part of it. Relationships are relational. So it's not just about you. It's not just about them. It's about you. It's about them. And it's about you and them together. So how do our energies mix together? Is this a mixing that is actually in service to the two of us? Is it actually in service to the relational dream in my heart, to the relational dream in your heart? And then ultimately, if it is, then there will be a new relational dream that is co-created from both of your individual relational dreams. There's this merging that happens. And this is what we talk about in terms of the, the codes of union. There's this merging between the two people and what they truly desire and what they really want to build and co-create together. So if we want to end up there, it is essential that we start charging the relational cover charge, that we make sure that the other person has the proper currency to pay the relational cover charge. And remember that they are also vetting that about you. So do you have the proper currency? Do you have the cover charge to enter into their relational world as well? So I'm going to leave it there for y'all. <laughs> um, it was a lot, I know, and you'll probably have to go back and listen to it a couple times. I approve of that exploration. You'll hear something different every single time. And I would love to hear your takeaway. And so feel free to come over and join us in the Quantum Love membership. It is you know, a beautiful place where you can come and digest the podcast, uh, start working on some of those relational skills, meet other people who are doing the relational work and who care about the emotional and the relational alchemy world. And if you'd like to come over there, the link is in the show notes. If you'd like to drop me a line on Instagram and say, this is my takeaway, feel free to do that. Uh, if you'd like to look into doing the deeper levels of the relational and the emotional embodiment work, there are two options. You can join the Embodied Alchemy series. We are doing the Codes of Quantum Love next. That is the next eight-week series. We start on April 6th, and we get to do some guided alchemical embodiment work. We also do some relational teaching, and there is group coaching in that program. And if you'd really like to drop down and hop on that path of relational mastery, the path of initiated is the path to do that. So that's a 13 month path where there is curriculum. There's all of the embodied alchemy work. There's mentorship calls. There's lots of goodies in there so that you can start building those necessary skills. You start to break down like, ooh, what are my standards? What are my boundaries? What are my needs? And how can I really embody them in a way that invites another person to come closer, but also embody them in a way that's integral to my, my soul and what's really true for me? So if any of that has pinged you, feel free to head to the show notes and all of the information is there for you. And if you just want to share the episode on your social media or share it with a friend, someone who you're like, they need to hear this, <laughs> please send it away, share, share with your friends. And if you feel so inclined to hop onto Apple Podcasts and leave a review, 
a written review. It would be so helpful. It just helps the podcast get to more people who care about relational mastery, who care about quantum love. And ultimately, we end up in a world where there's a little more love and a little more magic. So thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. And I will be back with a new episode next week for you. Bye, friends.